Okay, see if that's, uh, that worked at all. Can you hear me, Matt? I can hear you, yes. Okay, good stuff. All right, guys, we'll get kicked off. Um, thanks, Matt, so much for giving up your weekend to join us away from Canada. I really appreciate it coming in and helping uh, help us understand more about elite uh, football and uh, all the work you're doing at uh, Sheffield United. I think it's one of those situations where over in North America, the EPL is the biggest league office in the world. People are watching the games. Uh, happy to have Sheffield United back in the EPL this year. <coughs> Fantastic uh, for the club to be doing so well and pushing on for Europe. I think a lot of the players on board today may not be aware of your history, may not be aware of the success you've had in your academy. Uh, you've been here a long time, 17 years, and uh, good chance Correct. to maybe start off kicking off with your journey as a player, as a coach, and also with the club as well. Okay. Um, yeah, so thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, it's uh, always a pleasure to come and... Uh, you know, discuss uh, experiences and, you know, especially when we talk about our clubs. So, um, 17 seasons uh, at Sheffield United, you know, very proud. Um, failed footballer, really. Uh, started playing at such a young age, you know, three and four. Uh, went through the grassroots programme, uh, as you guys are, and then went into an academy, uh, Leeds United at 13. You know, like School of Excellence Development Centre. Um, I actually was brought up a uh, Sheffield Wednesday fan, uh, which not many people know. So that's live on uh, li live on the webinar now. Uh, but yeah, um, went to Sheffield Wednesday, you know, up to 15, uh, 15 and 16. And then uh, just went on to uh, have trials at Chesterfield and play a couple of games there. Um, again, football wasn't my forte. You know, I don't think there was going to be a career in it there for me. Uh, but the next best thing was kind of like working in sports and working in football, uh, especially football from coaching and engaging with young players. And, you know, even though I wasn't, uh, I didn't play at the highest level, um, again, going through the coaching courses and, you know, gathering as many experiences as I could and trying to pass that, on, that knowledge on to now. Great, wonderful, Matt. I think a lot of people don't really know about Sheffield United, really, in terms of the, this sense that the, obviously the city is, is a very hardworking city. The people that are very hardworking in the city a steel town traditionally i think the, the, the way the club play in the epl is a reflection of the, of the people I and mean, it's hard working it's grafting um chris water's done an amazing job with the group of players he's got uh, all the way through from the third division the second highest league obviously in the epl and doing top five i believe in the epl so let me talk a little bit the city uh, some of the values your club is are very strong about uh, as, as of the city and maybe talk, uh, let me talk about that a little bit so, again, you've just alluded to it, um, you know, the heritage itself of kind of like the steelworks, you know, through kind of like the, um, you know, what they did in the World War uh, by providing all the iron and all the steel for the tanks and so on. Um, again, one of the one of the cities that got heavily bombed during the war uh, because of kind of like the makeup of, you know, what they were actually making. Um, but again, people-wise, very, very, you know, blue-collar, hard-working people, um, very down-to-earth. I think, the, you know, we talk about this uh, north and south divide. Yeah. Um, I think it's actually friendlier when you come up north. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I think that there's no airs and graces. Um, I think that, you know, people are honest up there and, you know, they will, uh, they'll tell you how they feel. But I think from a city point of view, you know, it's, it's, I think it's the fourth city, biggest, fourth, fourth biggest city in, in the UK. Um, two two football teams in there, Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United. So a massive divide in there, uh, especially when it comes to uh, recruitment of players. Uh, Leeds United, you know, is only 40 minutes up down the up the road um, on the M1 M62, and then going into Nottinghamshire, you know, Derbyshire, and so on. So 
but you know it's it's a great place to work um it's a great place to live i actually live in leeds personally um i i you know was brought up in sheffield but uh, i've been living in leeds for the last 12 years um so i've got the best of both worlds but uh yeah it's a fantastic city and uh you know a really good club to work for i think that when it comes to you know what the manager's achieved uh, since he's come in um he galvanized the fans uh he galvanized the club uh you know the support network that he had around it and you know the 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 way that the the first team play uh you know the way that the players work you know that work ethic you know that endeavor and how they apply themselves you know to the fans and that's what the fans expect and to be fair that's what we expect you know when the lads come into the academy as well um so you know how they apply themselves their application their da- desire the willingness their attitude so you know it's it's set from the top and works all the way down into the bottom yeah and it's very much a very uh, hotbed of football isn't it uh the area from Grand Sheffield regarding how many graduates from the last world cup squad in England came through from that area yeah so the last world cup squad we had Harry Maguire and uh, Carl Walker um so there were them two guys you know in the back four um you know even Carl played out of position he played as a, a wide ring a wide ring wide wing back sometimes uh but yeah you know very proud of our heritage and the players that have come through and i think that you know the players that have come through you know you've got Matty Loughton at Burnley you know Dom Lewin at Everton you know George Long you know there's a endless endless list of players and graduates that have come through who were playing uh, you know at the top level but also playing at a good level you know even down to people like Danny Amos who are playing at Doncaster Rovers currently um so yeah you know they've got a massive reputation uh, of you know um players coming through and i think you know in the 17 years i've worked with six academy managers um you know first started when it was john warnock uh which is neil's brother neil warnock's brother right. uh then it was ron reed who took the reins you know john pemberton you know uh, nick cox who was currently the man united academy manager Travis Binion who was an ex graduate you know came through the system and now he's over at Man United and now Jack Lester who was uh, an ex Sheffield United player um so you know had some uh, you know fantastic people to work with and you know pick into their experiences great stuff maybe you still a bit Matt regarding the recruitment process back in the UK regarding the academies what age uh, the clubs are looking at players what age they signed etc um so you're not allowed to sign a contract until you're 9 um so it's under 9 and 9 up to uh, under 16 then you've got the 18s and the 23s uh, and then the first team uh but we bring the boys in at 7 year old okay. um we've got a handful of under 6s in there um personally I don't agree with it uh but we we've done that because the other clubs you know regards you know around us that competition um they get kids nice and early and i think when they get them in nice and early they get quite settled and make new friends and you know they're happy in kind of like their environment regards the coaches you know and the teammates and so on so we've got a handful of under 6s who train with the under 7s um the under 7s and under 8s which are our pre academy um they'll train twice a week and have a games program okay. so the games program they'll probably play between 42 and 48 games a season okay. um they'll have a number of festivals and tournaments and then really it's about not cherry picking the best ones uh but it's cherry picking you know uh players who are going to buy into our philosophy our playing style uh and it's interesting that you talked about recruitment we had a, a meeting yesterday on recruitment about you know what is it maturation is it height you know uh, what type of players are we actually looking for you know again is it that uh, when we were talking to scouts about that maturity bias you know usually you get you the biggest strongest the oldest um you know that are coming in but we're looking for different types of players as well you know different in quartiles three and fours 
you know, your late birthdays, um, you're smaller in, uh, in maturation, you know, you're spindly, uh, little players, you know, but I've got long levers. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting topic, but we've probably got around, what, 50, about 52, sevens and eights okay. in the academy. Uh, and eventually what we'll do is we'll get down to the under eight season, under nine season, when we get offers out. We've actually signed 17 this season. Okay. Um, so we've signed 15 and two, so 15 out players and two, because the formats that we play um, back in the UK, you know, especially at foundation phase, um, we play two small-sided games. So it could be our preferred format, 7v7. So again, it could be, you know, you're looking for 14 players in there. And then going into under 10, you're 7v7, 8v8. Then into under 11, 8v8, 9v9. And then under 12, that's still under foundation. Um, so we play 9v9, 8v8, yeah. uh, 7v7, 11v11. Um, but our preferred format is always to play the two games. And we believe it's really important because it's not just playing one or two positions, but it's maximising their play minutes as well. Okay. Uh, but again, you know, then constraints on the game where, you know, it's, uh, it could be a fat pitch, it could be a long pitch, you know. Again, we're, we're in control. You know, it's not the, the governing body. The, the Premier League give us 24 games and then we manufacture our games programme, whether it's tournaments, festivals, uh, what type of festivals they are. It could be 5v5, you know, 4v4, it could be cage football. Um, so we have a variety in there. Uh, but yeah, we've signed 17 players ready to start their journey. Good. And you'd have uh, development squads as well, sorry, develop development centres as well around fitting into your academy? Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, correct. So we've got uh, five, I believe. Okay. Uh, so we've got assessment centres, which is the first run on the ladder. And then we have kind of like a, an ET, which is um, based at the academy. Uh, all these boys that actually attend the assessment centres and the, uh, the ET, they play local grassroots football and okay. they might represent their city as well. But these go from under sevens all the way to under 15s. Um, so we've got, a, we've got a pick on them boys as well. And hopefully, you know, with the, the coaches that are in place with them assessment centres, uh, the programme that's in place, you know, the coaching programme, which is very similar to what they do at the academy. When these boys come into the academy on trial, which is for the eight weeks, it's not any, you know, it's not, um, it doesn't cause them any problems because they might have done certain sessions. They've got a feel of who the coach is, you know, especially the one with the ET, which is on a Friday night. They're already based at the academy. Okay. So when they walk, when they come through the gates, it's not, uh, it's not anything different for them. Yeah. How important, Matt, is the challenge of players in terms of the games program? So they're not obviously winning all their games by massive scores, but they have a bit of obviously challenge in their games and we lose in some games, maybe some games heavily as well. How important is that aspect of development for the young player? Massive. I think that uh, a, you know, a good small side of games is 25-25. Yeah. So 25 <laughs> goals conceded, 25 goals scored. Because uh, yeah. there's opportunities in the game itself and you know, I think that that variety in the game, I think that variety in competition, um, the, you know, with the first team being in the Premier League this year, um, it gave us the, um, the, the games programme with the Premier League. And we were very fortunate, you know, that we entered that last year, whether it was uh, in and out of balance tournaments, futsal, um, you know, cage football. Um, you know, the normal games programme, you know, the national finals where you're going up against your Arsenal's, your Chelsea's, your Man United's, your Man City's. And again, it's about testing, you know, our boys against theirs. And I think that that element of competition, it's, it's been massive from Sheffield United's point of view. 
Um, you know, we've been um, we've been very very big into tournaments, not just with the Premier League, but organising not just our own tournaments, but tournaments around the country, going abroad, going to Europe. You know, and when we've actually looked at the tournaments, we we've, we've kind of like looked at the tournaments that we can go and compete and win. Mm-hmm. So again, it's a it's a different outcome, uh, but also the ones that are going to be a, a real test for us because you're playing against you know European elites, you know UK elite players. Uh, but I think that there's so many returns on there, and I think that you know that winning mentality is important because uh, you know boys who are in here today they want to win, and it's no different from a coach point of view. I think it's just how we put it across a little bit more. You know, it's how you know the winning. It's not the be all and end all. It's how you know it's the um, the playing style. You know, and, and does it go against your principles and your philosophy? Um, you know how you work with the boys and. And again, it's an interesting about competition because we were talking um, the other day about uh, Ball Mastery, you know, when we were on the coaching manual. Yeah. And we got, to, we got talking the other day about, you know, teams that play against direct because we were looking at heading. And there's a big question mark over in the UK at the moment about heading, um, you know, at the foundation phases. So we were talking about heading at the top end, whether it was attacking or defending. And it's again, you know, how can you stop heading in football? You know, right. if a team's going to play direct, you know, we can't expect the lads. But again, it's that confidence to go and head the ball. So how do we deliver sessions to put that in? When we go into competitions, it's not about the development football because that three points is on the board. You know, right. that three points, the more games you win, you know, the further you go in the tournament. So there's a, the style changes because it becomes a lot more direct. So again, you know, you're looking at your keeper. Again, confidence to come out and claim the balls. Are you looking at your centre-arse going head in the ball? When the ball's in the final third, free kicks, where's the ball going to go? So, again, it might be a header goal. So, it's interesting that the style of play changes when it's tournament football. But I think that, you know, the competition from the Premier League and what we're actually putting in place uh, regards our culture, our environment, it's, uh, it's not – I would like to say it's unique, but there's a lot more clubs who do exactly the same. I think it's just when it comes down to the competition side of it, you know, we do go and compete. We want to win the games. Um, but then on a Sunday when we play our normal games programme, that's when it's the development games. Right. Do you, have, do you have one style throughout the whole academy, Matt, in terms of formation, that kind of stuff? Or are you allowed, is that up to the coaches in terms of each squad kind of managing that themselves? No, it's mixed. It's mixed, really. And I think, again, it's, uh, it's learning from experiences. Um, you know, the first team play a 3-5-2. Um, mm. 23 being played a 3-5-2. Um, the 18s may dip into the 3 5 2 and might play 4 4 2. They might play 4 2 3 1. They might play a different system. I think from the younger ages, uh, you know, there's that little bit of flexibility in there to actually go uh, and, you know, um, express and, you know, kind of like just have a go where we play one at the back, you know, one at the back playing because usually when you play 2 3 1 at 7 v 7, you're always playing with one striker. Right. So, you know, where's the matchup if you've got two at the back? Um, so we might go and play a one-four-one and have that one-v-one where you've got the centre forward against the centre half. But then you might have a four-v-three in the middle, which is uh, a bit of an overload. So I think there's a little bit of flexibility in there to go and play. Um, you know, and I think that you know the players want that because again, it's taking experiences from them games. Because it, again, it's not about tactics; it's about the principles that we play mm-hmm. and the playing style and and how we then coach. Perfect. In terms of recruitment, like you mentioned, what kind of player are you looking for? Are you trying to find a, a player that's a little bit different in terms of maybe 
more confidence in the ball, more better one-on-ones? There's certain attributes you're kind of looking for, or do you kind of have a mix of, of, of all those? No, there's a mix. And, you know, for a long time, we've recruited three types, which has been your athletes, you know, your warriors and your technicians. And mm. I think that all teams will have a, a mixed balance of them. And I think that, you know, athleticism's massive at the moment. You know, everybody talks about having the athletes in their team. But, you know, what does athleticism look like? Is it being big, strong, powerful? Um, or is it, you know, good agility, you know, quick change of direction? And I think, you know, what you've got at the academies, you've got a, a mixed group of players of maturation, whether the small dots, the quartile four, you know, you might have a quartile two is probably, you know, taller in maturation. So I think it's a nice little blend. Um, but I think that, you know, when it comes to the technique, again, about that ball mastery and that love of the ball and, you know, as many contacts, you know, to go and express themselves, be individuals, um, I think that's most important. So, you know, when we're recruiting, um, you know, we're trying to change that personal bias of, you know, he's the best player on the pitch. Because, again, you're looking at that potential. You know, again, he might be the best player on the pitch now, but in 24 months' time, it might be different. You know, 36 months, 48 months. Right. It might be completely different because they're going to develop at different rates. You know, the body, body, body's going to change at different rates as well. So I think it's nice having a little, uh, a little blend in there. And, you know, from our point of view, we've got some real good te technicians, but them technicians have always got, you know, they've also got that resilience about them as well. And that, you know, that uh, endeavour, you know, when they lose the ball, you know, the reaction to go and win it back. So... I think when we're recruiting, you know, the scouts are being asked to ask different questions, uh, yeah. and again, them questions that they ask to parents or uh, to the co uh, sorry to the coaches, you know, dates of birth, you know, practice history. It's a little bit different when they're seven and eight, but I think when they're nine, ten, eleven, you know, it's interesting to find out what their practice history is. You know, have they been going to a private academy? What grassroots clubs have they been at? Have they been at any other academies before? Uh, but then you're also getting into I did a survey last year for one of my uh, my assignments with ECAS, and there was a young boy who was seven, uh, and he was actually playing seven days a week, and oh, wow. you know that really re that really concerned me uh, yeah. because, you know, when you spoke to dad, it was more about the emphasis was on the boy and you know pushing the boy not because of the enjoyment but because of the rewards that he may get. Um, did he play any other sports? Did he play any multi sports? Did he have any donor sports? No, it was just purely football. So I think, again, you know, it's nice to know um, that player, that person. And when they come into the academy, we do get to know them. And again, we're encouraging them to do the sports, you know, to get that transfer, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, ball games or whether it's racket games, you know, racket sports. And, you know, the massive one from the ball, ball, uh, ball games, you know, rugby, basketball, you know, handball. You know, there's, uh, there's loads and loads of stories uh, of players that, you know, have continued to actually play a, a second sport that's actually transferred over right. um, into into football and I think it's you know it's most important to continue to do that yeah how important Matt, Matt obviously the work, work you're doing is up to age 12 how important is the fact that you're trying to find potential versus the current performance level like you're not trying to find players of the best right now in the country at their, at their level you're trying to find the potential correct to go on and progress uh, uh, in a youth development phase and obviously ultimately in the first team correct yeah, I think it's it's a little bit different from recruitment. And we spoke about it last week on the coaching manual that, you know, we're a category two club, so we can only recruit at foundation at 60 minutes. Right. Uh, and then at YDP, you know, when they get to 12 and 13, it goes into uh, into the 90 minutes. So, again, you know, the, the managers talked about it, the academy managers talked about, you know, recruiting from the area. So, again, getting them, 
know, Sheffield boys, you know, into the academy, you know, into the first team, because that's what the fans want to see. You know, that roar of when Cal Norton or Carl Walker and Harry Maguire and all them boys take that field and, you know, Bramall Lane when there's 32, you know, we got through to the the Youth Cup uh, final um, in 2011. Um, we played Man United. Yeah. Played Man United at home, and there was uh, just over thirty thousand there. Oh wow! Brilliant. And you know that was unbelievable. And then we went to Old Trafford uh, for the second leg, and we played, and there was twenty four, twenty six thousand there. So again, yeah. them experiences of actually you know playing in the stadium and you know hearing the noises and so on, and, and you know it just there was hairs on my neck, and you know I was only a part of the support network. Yeah. You know, uh, so you know. <laughs> Having John Pemberton, you know, Travis Pinion as the coaches and the players there, you know, what a great experience. But, you know, I think recruiting uh, and that potential is massive um, because, again, there may be projects in there. And, you know, we have taken projects. You know, we've got boys in there um, who are very lean, you know, very lean in size. Um, mm-hmm. Again, their coordination. But, you know, for me at the bottom end with foundation, we've got time to work with them. And I think that our job, you know, we'll work technically and tactically with them or mainly technically with them. Uh, but it's the other bits, you know, the psychology uh, and especially from Mother Nature's point of view regards physicality. Yeah. You know, again, if they're a dot, are these going to be a dot? No. But, you know, how do they affect the game? How do they use the ball? What decisions do they make? So I think, you know, again, it's looking at the potential of that individual, individual uh, and working with that potential. There's also certain players too. Look, look at which which players can go out in front of thirty thousand people at Bramall Lane and deliver, right? That's part of the equation too, isn't it? I mean, what what kind of person is that? Do they have the mental capacity to do that? Yeah, that resilience is massive, and I think that you know we were talking um, talking with the recruitment team the other week about all the players that actually came through, you know, through the system, and that resilience, um, you know, that resilience to go and compete, but also um, to you know have that have that quality of, you know, solving the problems, but also when the chips are down and, you know, there's a little bit of adversity in there, how they deal with that pressure. And, you know, again, you talk about Lewis Reed. Lewis Reed, you know, he's a young player who's at Peterborough now, came through Sheffield United. Well, he came, he started at Sheffield United, went to Man United, came back to Sheffield United and went through the system. But, you know, the kids, I think five foot six, five foot seven. Right. So I think he's around kind of like Messi and Iniesta's, you know, size. Uh, but he made his debut, um, I think, against Man United. And, and again, you know, playing against a quality opposition, uh, playing in front of a, a big crowd, you know. But I think it's what's put in place before that. Um, so, you know, Sheffield United, you know, we've, we've put a, a lot of um, concepts in place um, to support that uh, regards, you know, floodlit games, playing in a non-league um, the Blades Cup, you know, playing against the likes of Man United and Liverpool and Derby County, uh, because it's different when you're playing at night and you're playing in the non-league ground. You've got that smell of the, the yeah. hot dogs and the burgers. It's a different experience. <laughs> the grass. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But when the, you're preparing them for when they step out at Bramall Lane, because the first opportunity they'll get is when they go into a Youth Cup game and they might be 16 and 17. So I think by, you know, preparing them and giving them experiences and you know Nick Cox who's at Man United used to talk about um, speed humps um, or speed bumps itself about you know throwing adversity in there and letting them deal with that and how they deal with it um, so I think it's about giving them experiences through opportunity uh, before they actually go 
onto that uh, turf down at Bramble Lane or at Hillsborough or at Ellen Road or, yeah. you know, another football club. And the whole process is probably nine, ten years, isn't it? It's a long process. So there's lots of little steps along the way. Massively. And I think that, you know, the way we try and do things, but I know the Premier League and, you know, other clubs and, and that element of competition, you know, um, why enter tournaments? Well, they enter tournaments to go and win them or you go to go and compete against the best teams to find out what, you know, your gauge is, what your level is. Right. But I think even at, even at nine and ten, playing against, you know, fantastic opposition, you know, back in the UK, um, you, you know, you're actually giving the kids opportunities to really, really sell and, and really move forward. And then you might have, and I like, you know, the, 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 uh, the 2009, 2007, so they're actually going on the, on the, on the birth dates as well. Right. Um, so you might have, you know, players in quartile one, you know, playing up. You might have players in quartile four playing down in, the, in a different age group. Right. But again, I think it's, there's so many experiences um, that the boys actually get from that. Yeah, definitely. And Matt, what's the type of week for the players in your foundation phase? Uh, players 11 and 12 years of age, what would be a typical week for them training-wise and playing-wise? Um, so the 11s and 12s, they'll train Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, right. we, we did train Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, uh, and then play the games on Sunday. Um, but, you know, I think it was the influence of um, the ECAS and uh, the Advanced Youth Award that I attended. And we looked at Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then, you know, I spoke to the head of coaching and I spoke to uh, the academy manager to try and get that day in recovery between. So we now train Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and we play Sunday. Uh, we wanted Saturday to be a little bit more of a social time to spend with the families, go to the first team games, you know, go to the pitches, spend time with the mates as well. Uh, but they'll train Monday, uh, they'll train for two hours. Uh, Wednesday, they'll train for two hours. Friday, they'll either do futsal, uh, which is for an hour, or they'll be up at the academy for, uh, for 90 minutes. And then they've got the games programme on a Sunday. Uh, we also bring the under-11s in. We bring them in on a Saturday morning um, okay. for a 75-minute session. Um, that's working with the full-time members of staff. So you've got myself, you've got uh, Chris Howarth, who's the head of coaching, you've got Jack Lester, who's the academy manager. Um, and, you know, you've got three full-time members of staff around them boys. Um, you know, Jack and Chris are always around the boys, you know, on a Monday, and a Wednesday and a Friday. Good. So they're always observing. They're always watching the coaches. They're always watching the players and engaging with them. Uh, but on a Friday, you know, sorry, on a Saturday morning, it was an opportunity before the 16 and 18s kick off or the first team kick off that, you know, they guys. And it was great from my point of view as well, because I've got two, you know, highly experienced coaches, um, you know, who've, you know, coach at the, at the highest level and also played at the highest level. And, you know, I'm observing them. So I'm observing them how, you know, what sessions they're actually delivering, what the information is, what the detail is, and passing that over to the boys. So it's been a really good education from my point of, uh, as well. Yeah, perfect. Uh, Matt, we have a couple of players on the, on the call who have actually on Top Techers, which you guys are using in your academy. Let me talk us through um, how you got involved in that project. Uh, what part it plays in your academy development for young players? So Top Techers has been a blessing uh, because we, we bought into Top Techers um, probably six or seven weeks before lockdown. Right. Uh, and it was the academy manager that uh, was looking at a homework program uh, in you know, the first instant. And you know, the guys came in, came in and had a good conversation. We set up Top Techers. 
we decided that it was going to be from the under eights to under twelves, and they were going to use it as a homework program. So you know, your guys will be familiar to it to regard yeah. the development plans and what you do. So uh, we put that in place, and then unfortunately, you know, the virus hit and we went into lockdown. So again, Top Techers has been used on a regular basis from the boys. Um, you know, what was nice is that, you know, top techers, it wasn't just the uh, participation and what they were doing on top techers to try and achieve their medals. What they had to do as well was they had to clip themselves, they had to film themselves and they had to send that information back to me. Right. Um, I think that elements of competition regards the leaderboard. That was quite interesting uh, because when we went into lockdown, we said, OK, when we come out of lockdown, whoever the winner is, We'll have we'll buy them a brand new pair of boots. Oh, perfect! Um, so that's all the way through from under eights to under twelve. So okay. I think I've got what well, we've got five pairs of boots to actually <laughs> uh, to, to pay for. So <laughs> I think that you know it was a, a nice opportunity for the boys to go um, and practice themselves, and intrinsic are the intrinsically motiv- motivated to go and work themselves. And again, I think that the information that got to, sent over by parents. And, you know, we, we've been doing what you guys have been doing. We've had a Zoom meeting every week. Um, so Mondays is under nines, Tuesdays under tens, elevens, Wednesday and so on. Um, but we talk about top techers. And, you know, again, it's, I think there's one in there called Maradona 7. Is that yeah. right, boys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some nods, yeah. <laughs> put, put, your, put, put your fingers up. Uh, is, it, uh, is, it, is it good? Is it, is it hard? All right. So I think they... Yeah. The, the, Marad- the Maradona 7, I think, was one of the, the toughest ones, um, yeah. especially from the 8 and 9s. I think some of the 10s, you know, the 10s, 11s, 12s, um, they actually achieved it. But I think that, you know, the, the whole concept of the practice, going away, um, working on your own, you know, whether it's a garden, field, you know, local park, if they had an opportunity just to go and expose themselves. Uh, I know there was fitness in there, there was heading in there, there was ball mastery in there. So a lot of the stuff that they were actually working on, it linked back into our program anyway. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a nice opportunity. And then what I did was I took the top techers and I took our program and I kind of like brought it together. So I actually then sent out some individual work, you know, whether it was from a physical, whether it was from a social, um, you know, or from a technical point of view. Um, so they had to go and practice themselves and then record, design, record and then send back which has been really, really good because all the players have bought into it. Again, I think we're in the 10th week now, 11th yeah. week. Um, they're still on top of their work. Um, it's interesting because I was doing um, six sessions this morning. Uh, not practical sessions, but I was designing six sessions because on Monday they'll get the next mail out uh, okay. of the tasks that are going to go out there. So they'll get the physical tasks, uh, which they're going to you know, work on and they're going to get the technical tasks. So whether it's receiving, releasing, running, dribbling, finishing. Um, so you've got something for the next week to actually go and work on again. Uh, talk us through, Matt, some of the comments you made in our, our um, webinar with Coach Emmanuel about the, uh, the kids taking responsibility for even little things like appearance, brushing their teeth, that kind of stuff. How important is that for, uh, for you as, a, as obviously a top coach at the academy? Massive. I think that, you know, then life skills. I think that, uh, you know, coaches do take, uh, in the UK, sometimes take a little bit of a hammering uh, because of, you know, players come in the building, they think they're all, you know, made into robots and then eventually they're dumped out the other side. But I think that there's a lot of work, you know, and there's a lot of exposure to physical literacy, the education, which is, you know, it's massive from our point of view. 
um, our you know our education officer he's in touch with all our players he's in touch with uh, all the schools and, and it's the same with me you know if there's uh, one of the players that's you know playing up at school or you know he's uh, he's a little bit of a he's having a bit of a misdemeanor or you know he's not behaving himself whether it's in the playground or the classroom they'll always contact us um, and it's not that we go in out you know we just expect when the boys come into the academy to show that same respect you know, off the pitch, you know, again, when they're travelling to the likes of Man United, Carrickton, Littleton Road, they're going to national competitions, you know, they are actually conducting themselves professionally, uh, you know, and again, it's not about the shirt and ties and so on, but they do have a respect, they have a respect for the club and they have to, you know, they have to respect the other people out there. So I think that, you know, these life skills have been massive and I think, again, you know, about that confidence and that self-esteem, um, how do we develop that? And I think that, you know, one of the things that come out of the Zoom meetings has been, you know, you guys being put in um, on the stage, um, on a pedestal, and basically asked to reflect on your week. You know, what have you been doing in the week? You know, what's your thoughts? Have you faced any problems? Uh, and again, you know, one of the boys in the under nines, um, when I sat down with his mom and dad on Zoom, he says he don't like Zoom. And I went, oh, okay. I says, why is that? And he says, because you're putting him on the spot. And I said, that's brilliant. I said, but you know what? I said, his voice and how he's come across and how he's developed over the last 10 weeks, he can't wait. He wants to talk now and he wants to ask questions. And I think, you know, from being that shy, timid boy who was, you know, probably the back of the queue or when we're having the little kind of like debrief and he's hiding behind his pal, he's like on the front now. So he wants to ask. And I think that, them life skills, the life skills of what the boys have been doing at home. Uh, and again, the catalyst was from my daughter. Um, and I told that story on Coaching Manual. So I've got know. a 10-year-old daughter. And um, she's off school. Well, she'd just gone back to school, but she was off school. And she used to come down. I used to be working in my kitchen. And she used to come down with the pots. And she just used to put them on the side. Put them in the sink. And I'm thinking, you've got a dishwasher there. So, again, looking at what my daughter was doing. So, have boys at the academy use a dishwasher? Have they um, cleaned their room? Have they tidied, uh, took their, not the bed apart, but have they stripped the bed? Have they put it into the washing machine? Have they washed the car? You know, have they baked a cake? Have they cooked a meal? And, and I think that it's, it's not, revol you know, everybody's been doing it, but I think it was the opportunity to expose the boys in, in a different way. And I think that they've bought into it. So again, that cooking, whether it was uh, a pre-match shake or a post-match shake or, you know, a meal, uh, a breakfast, they've actually, um, they've done that and they've had to send it through. And they've sent pictures of, you know, chocolate chip cookies and milkshakes that they've made and Thai chicken curries. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, but then on top of that, you know, they've gone and helped the moms and dads. And I think in this downtime when you've got parents who have been working NHS and they've been working, you know, where it's been deliveries, I think just helping around the house. And I think that, you know, them life skills, you know, what they get at the academy is transferred into what they've been doing at home. And, you know, we've seen some, um, you know, some really, really good um, outcomes. And I think that, you know, the academy manager, he speaks to uh, the parents every other week um, just to say hello, you know, just like I do. But, you know, mine's more contact with the players. 
and I think that they appreciate it. You know, they've appreciated that little bit of help. Um, but in the first week of lockdown, um, I was getting phone calls from parents just to say, Matt, um, he won't go in the shower. <laughs> okay. Uh, he won't brush his teeth. And I'm like, okay, get him on the phone. So I've got him on the phone. I've gone, why are you brushing your teeth? Well, I'm not at school. Why are you getting in the shower? Well, I'm not at school. Right. Okay. Well, what about your, you know, your cleanliness? You know, what about your hygiene? And he's like, yeah, I know. But okay. So if you were on tour or you were at a tournament or you were at the academy and we were traveling away somewhere, what would you do? Well, I'd be having a shower, I'd be having my breakfast, you know, then I'd be cleaning my teeth. Right. Hot on. So while you're at home, you have to do that. So I think it's been really important. I think about, again, looking at you know their personal hygiene uh, and making sure that you know their laundry's put away and they're helping around the house just to just to help mom and dad, but just to build that you know build that extra bit. You know they build them extra skills that they won't have had or they did have but never used. Right, exactly. And obviously you mentioned and it might be back until August September, but potentially you'll have a lot of, a lot of players coming back in the academy more skilled because of being using the ball more at home and second of all more mature potentially regarding doing more life skills at home correct correct yeah absolutely yeah, and yeah. i think that you know that's i think that practice history was what they've been doing outside football and top techers it'd be really interesting when they come back uh because i think again you know thinking outside the box and being creative in what they have been doing um again taking ownership uh, taking responsibility you know, being at home and, you know, looking after brothers and sisters and, you know, making sure that they've been doing the jobs and the chores. When they come back into the academy, it's, it's, it's different. Well, it's not different, but they, they put the equipment away. They have to put the kit away. You know, they know where the changing rooms are and so on. But again, it might be, right, guys, you're going to lead the warm-up now. This is yeah. what you've been doing. And, you know, on a Friday, um, they've got a, a session that they do, which is a generic warm-up. And it's actually, it's a warm-up that I've been doing for the last 10 years. And there's one of the lads who's just got a scholarship. And, you know, again, great character, great personality. Um, and he used to lead the, the warm-ups for me. So every group has got kind of like them key. You know, we try and switch it over, but there's always that one who leads the warm-ups. And this generic warm-up, um, the boys deliver it themselves. And it's policed them by themselves. And I think, again, it's a little bit more demanding when they get to 11 and 12 uh, because they're actually calling each other out and making sure that their detail and kind of like their benchmark and their levels a little bit higher. Um, but I think that that ownership now of their practice, whether it's, you know, the arrival activities, they can just crack on with it mm -hmm. because, you know, they've been doing it for the last 10 weeks. So even though they're back in the academy, what's changed? You know, again, it's their ball. You've got 15, 20 minutes of arrival activities, whether it's shooting or it's wall ball or it's ball mastery, aerial ground. Go on, just crack on. And uh, I think we're going to see a massive difference because speaking to the boys on Zoom, and I spoke to the under-12s on Thursday, and uh, I did actually ask them if anybody had um, weighed themselves and measured themselves Mm -hmm. Because you could actually see in their face and their arms, you know, the shoulders. In the last 10 weeks, because you've not seen them, you can see that change. Right. Um, so I've actually asked them to actually, you know, go and do that for me. But, you know, regards the nines and tens in there about how they're 
their talking, their communication skills, you know, the conversations that they're all actually holding. I can see when they come back in the building, it's going to be a completely different animal because mm -hmm. I think that you know, they have grown up a little bit more. They have matured a little bit more. They do feel confident in, your, in their ability. So I'm really looking forward to when they come back in the building. Yeah, perfect. Good stuff. How important, Matt, is, is if young, young players that play different positions? Is that a, something you're a strong advocate of during the academy? Um, variety, variety, really, Ian. Um, yes. I think that when you're recruited at seven and eight, um, you know, grassroots football is a little bit different. They'll be, they'll be put in specific positions. They'll be pigeonholed into certain areas of the pitch. Um, and I think that, you know, when they come into the academy setup, you know, whether they're going to be um, a goal scorer, so creating goals, stopping goals and making goals is which what we talk about. And I think if they're a creator of goals, brilliant. Um, I think when they come in, you know, are they going to be a goal scorer? Are they going to be a creator? If they're going to be a defensive midfielder, are they going to be a centre-back? If they're going to be a centre-back, could they be a keeper? And again, I think it's just having that variety. Um, so when they come in at under nines, Yes, they'll have a, a position, which is kind of like their strongest position. Mm -hmm. But then we'll look at the secondary position. So again, if he's a, a right-sided player, can he play 7-11? If he's a, a, a 9, you know, can he play 9-10, 7-11? Can he play across that front three or front four? You know, if he's a, a left-back, can he go and play in a, in a higher midfielder area? If he's a centre-half, can he play like a Busquets where he might go and play as a deep-lining midfielder? Can he play as a centre-half? So I've even had keepers this year, sorry, centre-offs this year with keepers being injured who've actually gone in, uh, gone in goal. Wow. And uh, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I, didn't appreciate, I don't think I appreciate it when he actually picked the ball up and decided he was going to take three or four players <laughs> on, uh, but then passed the ball. But look, look, luckily enough, he scored the goal. But yeah. again, I think it was, it's an opportunity. Uh, you know, when you look at past history of players, um, Harry, Harry Maguire uh, came in as a centre midfielder, went into centre half, I think at 16 and 17. Um, Kyle Walker came in as a striker. Um, so again, you know, there's not a, a fit, you know, there's not a, you know, a specific position. Um, I, there's been players in the past that has come through. Um, so there's a lad who's playing at Queen of the South now. And, you know, looking at him when he was eight and nine, he was always going to be uh, a left centre half or a left back. And he's actually making a living playing that position now. But wow. he did go and play in a variety of positions. So if he played on the left, he played on the right, you know, again, to uh, play on his weaker foot, um, to try and enhance, you know, his releasing skills or receiving skills, you know, and just trying to develop that confidence of playing in a, you know, in an alien position. So I think that variation of, of playing in different positions, I think it supports, you know, you look at futsal and, you know, we've got a, a futsal coach. Um, who kind of like leads the futsal sessions. And it's interesting that you'll always get the highly technical players. Um, they always play at the back. Yeah. So whether he's playing a 2-2 or playing a, a diamond, he'll always put them further back because they're more comfortable on the ball. So when they're breaking lines or, you know, they're stepping in to go and play, um, he likes that. And you know what? I totally agree. And, you know, we've had boys, you know, and again, it comes back to the formats and the games and that element of competition. You know, a great game for me is 25-25. Yeah. If you're winning a game 16 nil, well, where's the return on that? There's not. So again, it might be an instance where you might get your striker. And I know that there's two lads who I'm thinking of now. You know, they were both centre midfielders, like a four and eight. And we went down to Brighton and we played a game. And you know, they ended up playing 
as fullbacks. You know, I put them in a fullback position, so it's a different part of the game. So instead of them, you know, working in that three sixty, they were actually working uh, pressure coming onto them. You know, playing out from the back. Um, so they got a different return in terms of a different position. And and funny enough, the the parents who were one of the players, his dad played in the Premier League, and he came up to me and went, "Wow," he went, "He did really well there." And I went, "Yeah, he did." I said, I don't think he'll 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 play as a fullback. <laughs> I don't really want don't really want him to play, but it was a an experience that you know we gave him and he enjoyed it. And good. I think again, you know, good players can play anywhere. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Matt, I may have a couple of parents on uh, with female players. We have a couple of female players on our program. Maybe talk a little bit about some of the strides the last couple of years uh, with women's football in the UK, and maybe some stuff about uh, maybe about Sheffield United currently doing that that level. Uh, massive. I think that you know Sheffield United have always had uh, girls' interest in football. Um, they've had a school of excellence for many, many years, uh, and that's a, a real good uh, academy now. You know the guys who are in the building um, full time; they run that. Um, so again, you know it's it's very similar to what the academy program is. You know, back in the UK, i.e., you know our academy, um, and then we've also got uh, a professional uh, ladies team. Uh, which is um, Sheffield United, and they play in the uh, the Premier League too, the WSL too. Uh, I think they've just finished second when it went into lockdown. And Aston Villa got promoted, uh, but Carla Ward, Carla Ward's the uh, the manager of there, and the girls itself, you know, again bringing girls through to go and play in that first team. Again, they've got a development uh, group as well who play in a, a different league. But the emphasis on the girls is massive. And I think that, you know, it's the fastest growing sport, you know, in in the UK. And I think that when you look at the likes of Man City and when they're going over to Europe and playing the Arsenals and the Chelsea's, and then you've got, you know, the women's football. And I love it. And to be fair, um, I've actually gone down and done a few sessions with uh, the ladies. And I enjoy it. I really do enjoy it. And um, I don't know if you come across GIS. Uh, yes, I have, Global, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, you have through uh, yeah. through Wolves and Mark. Correct. So, yes, yeah. Yeah. So I went over to um, Florida in December. Oh, that's I went December. Over. Yeah, with, with John, right? Craig Parks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I went to I went over and um, I went with the girls over there. And thoroughly enjoyed it. And again, it's completely different, you know, to working with the boys. Um, you know, I've got my daughter who's here, and she's not really interested in football, but I just found them so engaging and you know and enthusiastic and that's no different to what the lads were but you know the detail and the questions that they asked it was yeah I thoroughly enjoyed it and I think that you know Sheffield United's got a good history and, and again I think moving forward um, it's just going to grow grow and grow yeah perfect uh, this 15 minutes has flown by Matt uh, a couple of final remarks from you regarding uh, some advice to the players regarding how to push on with their, with their game I think it's about you know, I, I mentioned it earlier, it's about attitude and applying yourself and being humble. Um, I think, again, you know, it's them listening skills and, and about that personal education as well. Um, you know, going and studying, you know, even though your education of being at, you know, college, secondary school, that's really important, you know, and that should be on the forefront. But how do you educate yourself from a football point of view? What's the extra bits? You know, all the stuff that you've been doing in lockdown regards to top techers, your individual work, your 1v1s. How do you apply and transfer that back into your game? You know, when trialists come in the door at Sheffield United, I'm always looking at personality. So personality and character. 
you know, in that dressing room, um, even though it's tough at 9, 10, 11, because some of them won't say boo to a ghost, but will they speak? You know, will they hold a conversation when they're actually talking with the coach? Are their eyes locked? So again, I think that it comes down to you applying yourself, but, you know, go, don't be afraid of going asking them questions to your coach or going and researching. You know, we've been, we're just working through a, a new syllabus at the moment. Uh, it's full-time members of staff. And um, I've spoken to a, a lot of ex-players and I thoroughly enjoyed it because speaking to ex-players and ex-players who are coaches, they just put a different perspective on it. Right. And I think that the, the way that they break it down and the detail um, where you understand it, that again, I go and ask the questions. So I think, you know, I want my boys to come and ask me questions about their, you know, the experiences and, you know, the what and the how and the where, how do we do this? How are we going to get better at this? So don't be afraid because for me, there's no wrong and no, no wrong and no right answer. I think it's just you having the confidence to go and ask that question because the end, the end of the day, end of the day, the only person it's you. Now, can you give that a little bit more? So are you going to go for that extra run? I had three chocolate biscuits last night, so I've had to go on an AK, I've had to go on an AK run today. It's not like your metabolism where you're burning it all the time. If I have three, yeah. I've got to go for an 8K run. Yeah. So, you know, it's about your practice. Uh, and again, it's about your game. The only person who can do it is you guys. So I think it all comes down to how you apply yourself, not just in training, but also off the field. Uh, great story this week regarding Ronaldo showing up for his uh, training session four hours before and doing individual testing and actually recording results even better than he had before the lockdown. So that's a tremendous role model for the players in terms of working hard, 35 years of age, still going strong. Yeah, I agree. But you know what? There's so many uh, inspirations in the game. Uh, yeah. There's so many mentors that you can look up to, whether it's past, you know, people that I look up to, you know, footballers that I've talked to, you know, but, you know, the heroes, you know, and I'll go back a long time, you know, and you know, the likes of Arsenal and Thierry Henry and Martin Keown and Ray Parler and all them guys, you know, Roy Keynes, you know, there's so many good players, but mm -hmm. how did they reach the top? You know, what did their practice history look like? You know, again, what opportunities did they have? You know, what did their practice, the, the experience of going playing a 5v5 or a 4v4 or, you know, a futsal or an indoor game? Did they go and play wall ball? Did they go and get an individual ball and go and play with the mates? Did they play at school? So, again, I think all these, it doesn't have to be structured play all the time and yeah. it doesn't have to be dictated by the coach. I think the fact is that, you know, they can go out. Now, look at Ronaldo, you know, from the, the work that he does off the pitch to maintain his body to go and run him, you know, four hours before. Just Incredible. unbelievable professionalism. Mm -hmm. Incredible. All right, guys, I'm going to open up to you guys. So hopefully you've got a voice today. Ask lots of questions. A great chance to, to um, uh, put questions to Matt. Matt, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it.